Ben Fred Fridays on Scoops with DannyMac.com as we come to you from the Lou Fuse Automotive Studios. If you are in need of a car used or pre-owned, uh, you're looking for help, service centers, think about Lou Fuse, and they bring us uh, Ben Fred Fridays and the studio sponsorship and talking to the great folks at Lou Fuse. They're going to be busy this weekend because they're headed to Austin as they're a major supporter of MLS, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But, Ben, good morning. Always great to see you. Happy Friday, Dan. Happy Friday, everybody. Man, we've got a busy sports weekend, man. It's crazy. The Battlehawks, Kakao, question mark? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Woo, Battlehawks. Um, you know what, though? I'm going to find myself going to those games, I bet, because I'm going to take <laughs> my kids. Hey, we used to love going to, to, to the Rams games. You don't have to take it too serious. We loved going to the Rams games. We don't have to like break down the too deep. We can just right. say it's kind of fun. And I'll tell you what, when A.J. McCarron goes on national TV and he's crying because he wants to play and doesn't want to be a backup and took less money and his, now his kids get to watch him play and he's leading cool. comeback wins. I mean, the, come on. It's it's kind of fun. So, Battlehawks, MLS opens in Austin. Cardinals camp underway. The blues are just uh, the blues are just melting down, Oof. but it's become it's become stellar entertainment with Craig Berube sounding For like you. A, it's stellar sounding entertainment. like he's uh, in, in the in the fan forums and, and and stealing talking points from the Facebook comment section. It's it's a, <laughs> there's a lot going on, man. It's uh it's wild. College basketball arch madness is 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 right around the corner. It's uh, it's a busy time. It's a fun time, and uh, we got a lot to dig into. I feel like we haven't talked. So many topics. We have so much to get to. Where do you want to start? Well, I'll start with where I was at yesterday. It was Memphis, Tennessee. Um, sad day. It was the Tim McCarver funeral. I was honored to be a pallbearer and asked by the family. His his daughter, Kathy, who I'm very close with, did an amazing job of getting people in and organizing this. And it's such an emotional time for, for families and certainly for anybody that lose, loses a loved one. But then, you, you know, you got one shot at it, and you're trying to make it very, very respectful of what is a remorseful time. But it was also a celebration of, of Tim's life and what a life it was. So the people that were there just off the top of my head, but the Cardinals were represented by Bill DeWitt III and Joe Pfeiffer and Larry State from the alumni side. Um, there was Ted Simmons there and his lovely wife, Steve Carlton, made it in. Um, Joe Torrey was there. I mean, the Hall of Fame was represented. And then it was really neat to see Tim's impact in the Memphis community. And for folks that don't know, Tim is was born and raised in Memphis and um, it was a great athlete, great football player, obviously great baseball player. Uh, Steve Hurt from Elias gave a speech. Joe Buck gave a remarkable speech at the very end, very lighthearted and fun. And Joe's speech resonated with me because the things that he talked about were the things that I saw as well. And so some of the mannerisms that Tim would have when he was making a point or if he was kind of not making a point and taking in something that you're, but it just, it was funny and it was, it was great. And Joe did a remarkable job as everybody would expect. So a celebration of life and a really uh, a bittersweet day, I guess is the, the way to put it because I, I miss him. He was one of my best friends. I'm going to miss him, but yet uh, on the positive side, just the, the fact that everybody was just so gracious and the stories and the hugs and the tears, I had a lot of tears. I'm not afraid to say that. And it was, it was great. It was just uh, that part of it was really cool to hear all it, like Tim had a hometown friend that got up and spoke and these guys have been childhood friends and, and Ben, he had been up to the booth with me multiple times, not Tim, but the friend we know Tim was, 
and uh, and hearing the stories of those guys as kids, it, it was great. So that that stuff was was really cool to hear, and and God rest his soul. In the comments you've made, and the in the comments Joe Buck have made, there's a lot of appreciation that folks should have for Tim, and something they should learn from Tim, because both of you guys have talked about how there he was established and you know, proven and he could have made life hell for whoever he was working with and his graciousness, his willingness to share and promote and, and, you know, bring someone in. That's, that's a a really important character attribute. And I think sometimes there are ways in life where you can, you don't have to be Tim McCarver. You can be at work and someone is new is struggling or you can help someone, help someone up, you know, from, from who's who's coming behind you I, I think of it like holding the door i mean if someone helps you get to where you are and you're not holding the door for someone else to go through you're doing it wrong yes and i thought he really modeled that on a on a high level i want i'm gonna i'm gonna publicly call you out go ahead you have told me multiple times that you have conversations recorded between tim mccarver and bob gibson which i do in my opinion is one of the most special relationships that's ever been had in st louis sports Tim McCarver, this, you know, white teenager from Memphis, very, you know, very segregated Memphis. Bob Gibson, about six years older, this from a proud black community in Nebraska. Projects. And, and they clash. Yeah. And and where it goes from there is the story. They became lifelong friends who traveled the world together. Wendy families Gibson, know by each the way, was, was there yesterday. I should mention that. Yep, Bob's uh, widow. And you've got recordings of these guys chopping it up talking about this relationship and how it grew and you got to post them I, I think people would love to, to hear that there were the uh, evenings with the cardinals and um i had two separate ones with bob that i did just he and i and then one time we got uh, tim and bob together and it was awesome i mean it's it's valuable stuff for me i mean i, I get man i got goosebumps all over the place all right i'll do it i'll listen to it today and chop it up and and put it out there because I think people would love to hear it. You're right. And yeah, I think it should be archived <laughs> until we can revisit it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's special to be able to revisit those. I've got some of the recordings from the old writer's dinners and being able to go back and hear those stories and, um, you know, it, it's it's valuable. I think people would, people would enjoy it, and I think it's important. Well, you wrote about it, though, this past week, didn't you? Yeah, and I did it, based off of Bob Gibson's book, which tells Bob's side of it. But the cool thing about Bob Gibson's book, A Stranger to the Game. I'm sure most people have have, it, have heard of it or read it by now. If not, you can still find it. An awesome, it's awesome an book. awesome book. And it's told in true Bob Gibson yeah. fashion where there's no punches pulled. No, sir. But the cool thing about it is it actually, they did a great job with the book because it talks to other people too. And McCarver's quotes are all throughout the book from his version of of everything. And it and he's one of many Tories in there. It's, a, it's just an outstanding book. I think it's one of the better one of the better autobiographies of an athlete that you'll find. It doesn't seem to get, I mean, it's older. It doesn't seem to get a lot of talk. I'm sure it did when it came out, which was like, I think early nineties. But if you love Bob Gibson, and you have not read that book. You've got to go find it. Absolutely. And and I think you encapsulated it properly. Is that two guys, white, black, two different backgrounds come together and become lifelong friends. Pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, they, only knew their differences and then they found out all the things they had in common. Right. And that's what happens is you know someone and you change. all the things that separate you go away and you grow together at right. change. And we hear a lot of negative stories about that topic 
we can also talk about some of the positive stories. And, and I think the cool thing about sport, one of the coolest things about sports, and I've experienced this as a player, very, you know, amateur player, high school player. I see it happen at the pro level. You can take people from all different corners of the world. They can vote left, right, up, down. They can be green, blue, red. It doesn't matter if you if they're on a good team. They will put those differences aside and they will go out and focus on what they have to do to get something done. And, you know, we can talk about this in all kinds of ways, whether it's making downtown St. Louis better, safer for all of our, these sports events. It's been a big topic this week. Whether it's improving things in your community, don't focus so much on what separates you. Focus on where you want to get together. And if you can do that, then all of the stuff that separates you starts to look not so big. But we've got to continue to have that conversation and push us there or else we're not going to like where it goes. Well, you brought it up, and societal issues do bleed into sports or vice versa. And that's what's happened this past week with the tragic accident of a young volleyball player that will have both legs amputated. Um, And maybe you can be better than I am at, at describing what has taken place. I mean, I know, obviously, the story. I've read everything about it, seen the press conferences. I live here full time, so it's the number one story going on. But you you have written about it in today's Post-Dispatch. And, again, it's where sports bleeds into societal issues and vice versa. Um, where do you go from this? And, and maybe describe your article, too, and, and what you've learned. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much interest in veering into, like, political stuff when I write. We have a lot of writers who that's their job. And, and, and I try to – I'm not a stick-to-sports guy, but I do understand the – the um, I understand that side of the discussion where that maybe sometimes a sports page should be a distraction from what is going on in the quote-unquote real world. But there are times where – Sports is the real world, and to me, in my opinion, a, a young woman who comes to St. Louis as a visitor and is now her life is forever changed drastically because she wanted to come downtown and play in a volleyball tournament, that is a sports story. And I hear it from a lot of people. Some of the crime issues in downtown St. Louis is making it harder for them to want to come down, and it's very easy to scoff and say, well, you know, all these reasons why, but when you see examples like this, and you see examples like a Blues prospect getting held up at gunpoint at the Arch, and City SC is replacing um, gun damage, gun caused damage to their parking garage before they play a game. These are sports stories, and we know it that sports drives a lot of interest. Tourism makes money for this region, and a lot of it is centered downtown. And if we're not talking about not who to blame or we, that conversation can be had if someone's not doing their job, they got to go. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna here, but if we're not talking about this in a sports lens as people who are in sports, then then we're we're ignoring. Well, and, and we've got to have that conversation. I hope that what something like I don't want to say it that way. If you're going to try to find There's something, a, this is to a come tragedy. It. Yes, it period, is. And the focus should be on on this young woman. If we don't funnel the outrage from this and everybody I think is outraged unless they're not paying attention to make something better then then we're doing it wrong and we can't say oh my god it's so terrible when it, stuff like this continues to happen if you're in downtown you know what what the issues are whether you live there whether you go there every day for work and the other thing is this I get tired of people saying well you know, I live here, so that's their problem. Or if you like to wear the Cardinals uniform, if you like to go to the Blues games, if you've got the City SC soccer sticker on your car, you need to start thinking about how can you be part of the solution. Because simply saying, well, 
I only want to go downtown for sports and then being upset when downtown isn't the way you want it to be when you're there. Think about that. You want to go there and take downtown's not a giving tree of sports. If you only want to go and take, 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 and you're not thinking about how you can be part of the answer of the solution, then you're not helping anything. Well, and I think, we, I think we've got to get to whether you live in, in Edwardsville or Chesterfield or downtown or the Central West End or St. Louis, it's Hills. It doesn't, Ladue, you have to be thinking you live around this city for a reason. And a lot of it is city related. If you don't want to be any part of the conversation, then that's part of the problem. Well, I got to, I got to turn this on you though. Would you feel comfortable going to downtown St. Louis outside of a baseball game right now or an MLS I do. event. I mean, I, I, I do. I go down, you know, I'm there multiple times per week. I lived, I spent three years living in the city and, and saw the issues, you know, daily. And to me, it's, it's, it's gotta be both ways. It can't be, Hey, this can only be, this can only be a place where you care about it being the way you want it to be when it's a game day, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not how, that's not how it works. And, and people have to do their jobs, and if they're not doing their jobs, they've got to be replaced by somebody who will do the job. But I think there's, I think there's got to be more of a, a togetherness feel, and it can't be that's their problem. It can't be, you know, this is my little region where my postal address is, so I don't have to think about that. I think we all got to think about it, and I think we got to find – common sense that says these things can't keep happening or we're are going to continue to fall behind. I, I it really, what makes me mad is that there are so many people who care so much about this region and especially the sports community and the people who are fighting to get these events here. They're the ones who are going to, they're the ones who are going to be, who are going to be crushed by this because now every other place has a, one more reason not to want to come. Well, that's a question. What What is the trickle down effect? And again, the, the importance of what we're talking about is that young lady, not, we're worried about sporting events coming here, but we're doing a sports podcast. Um, I, I am curious, like you, you wake up uh, yesterday or this morning and you're part of the sports commission trying to bring events here. How do you sell that to some of these entities that want to be a part of it and want to come to St. Louis, but they say, look, we're looking at the crime rate. We're looking at what just happened. We're looking at these issues that your town has. As much as we love you, sorry, we, we just can't do it. I mean, that's probably part of the conversation that's happening right now for anybody that has an entity of sports entity to bring to St. Louis and taking money out of the equation. We got to think about other issues here. And that's a fact. And it was a conversation we got to have now, because if you look at the next month, what's going to be happening? Okay, let's see. Uh, the Battle Hawks will be playing a home game. You know, there are people going to go nuts for that game of the Dome. Um, you've got, obviously, City SC opening at home. The Cardinals will be in town by the end of next month hosting the home opener, Missouri Valley Conference. Arch Madness is yeah. coming. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a big next couple months for sports, and you know we we've got to set political opinions. We've got to set all this stuff aside, and it, it will be fixed through certain political processes. I'm not naive as to how that works, but it's got to be a all in approach. Um, and maybe that makes me too optimistic or too. Pollyanna and that's whatever, but I do, I say it because I see it and you've seen it when people have a shared goal. And in this case, it would be improving where these things happen for not just sports fans, but that's the realm that, that we are in. 
when they have a shared goal, it doesn't matter. There are guys in the Cardinals clubhouse. If you ask them, all right, let's look at your voting history. It would be, <laughs> it would be, it would look, it would look totally different. And they don't say, hey, are we going to turn this double play together? Well, who did you vote for, or, or did you support that candidate one time? It doesn't matter because they want to get somewhere together, and they know that working together is the best way. And if people people who don't feel that way or people who won't cooperate or or be teammates, they're part of the problem. And I'm talking about left people, right people, whatever. If you're not trying to get to a better process, you got to go. You got to get out because there are too many people who care and there are too many people who are invested and they have to rise up. I think the people, if people, the people who care and can put the other stuff aside start to feel like they're going to make this better and they're going to get people who won't make it better out of the way, I think something better can happen. In terms of what happened then in the arena last night, the Blues, uh, they've traded their captain. They've traded other players, probably going to trade some more. Um, but the, the big story is the comments by Craig Berube after the game. And he, he let it rip last night. He was just saying, hey, you're getting paid a lot of money. The effort isn't there. This is embarrassing. This is ridiculous. I'm paraphrasing. But he finally had had enough and called out his team. Craig Berube, who won fan points last night oh, yeah. in a major way, will have lost some points perhaps in the Blues dressing room. He did the one thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I don't think he cares. <laughs> and I love that about him. That's he the did point. The, he did the one thing that you hardly ever hear a professional coach do, which two things, actually. He questioned effort, and he brought up the dollars. Yeah. And you hardly ever hear a coach go there. I'll, I'll never forget there was a time when the Rams, the St. Louis Rams, were just fizzling out and the team was moving and everybody knew and the effort was bad. And my, my buddy Nick Wagner, who now covers the 49ers for ESPN, covered the Rams for years. People will remember Nick and a great guy, one of my best friends, asked Jeff Fisher, you know, do you see a lack of effort out there? And you would have thought that that he had insulted, you know, Fisher's family or something. He went nuts because you can't question effort, that these are guys are professionals. Well, Craig Bruby just questioned it, and it was very clear that he was talking about the highly paid guys on the team. And he was very clear about saying he was not talking about Jordan Bennington. He's talking about Jordan Cairo. He's talking about Robert Thomas. And then you go into the room and, uh, you know, credit to, to, to Jim Thomas and Luke Korak. They were there. They asked these questions that you could just see Ruby boiling like a tea kettle. And then he popped yeah. and it was off. They go into the room and, and Torpchenko, who's this young guy, plays with his heart on his sleeve. And it's the young guy, one of these guys trying to turn this this lost season into proof that he can be a part of this thing moving forward, who goes out and <laughs> rips everybody. Yep. This isn't a beer league. You owe it to the fans to have effort and and you play hard. And everybody is, you know, those his his jerseys are flying off the shelves. But what a wake up call. And and is it going to lead them to a three game winning streak or five? No. I mean this team has been robbed of its of its best players. But it's very clear that Craig Berube is not going to sit around and let effort and let quitting happen on his watch. Now, how does that play out? They got a lot of games left to play still. And does this light a fire or does this drive build a wall? I don't think he. I don't think he was thinking about it. Tech, like in terms of what's going to happen. I think he was. I think he was pissed, and I think he was tired of of. In, however much he can pretend, 
He doesn't have a lot of that in him. He let it rip, and now we got to see what happens. Well, I would imagine that this weekend those guys come out like gangbusters, and if they don't, Yikes. then then that's the real problem because now he has sent the salvo and said, okay, I'm essentially putting on you, the players, and I've done it publicly. And like you said, you can lose a locker room, you can lose a clubhouse really quickly when um, uh, the manager or the coach goes after players. I mean, it, it, it can be nasty. But if they don't come out with effort in their next game and with jump, then you have a real problem. And then that all of a sudden Doug Armstrong saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? I think what... He has to because then, he, then he's got to say, if they're not responding to my coach after this guy just called everybody to the carpet, I've got bigger problems than I thought I had. Yeah, I think in some ways... In some ways, Chief kind of put himself in the spotlight by putting yeah. the spotlight on play. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Look, I think he was telling the truth. And I think that's something the players, when when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo go home at night and they, they said, man, I saw what he said, they should have in their hearts, they should know that he's telling the truth. And this guy, one thing about – Craig is he doesn't go in there and rip them only because they lose. If they go in there and they play the way he thinks they should play and they lose, he'll say that. And he's not a guy who's like totally based off of the wins and the losses. He he's a truth teller, and there aren't very many of them left no. sometimes. But but the fact that they've got to know that that he's telling the truth, and you heard it in Torpchenko's comments where yeah, the players see that. I mean, Bennington didn't uh, talk after the game. Maybe maybe it was for the best, but you, you better believe he sees it. And these are the – it's well, gut, it's gut check time. point-blank shots in the beginning of the game. Playing his ass off. Yes. And, and I can understand why he was mad. And and the fact that, you know, you wonder how, how bad could this get, I think it was a challenge. People are paying to watch you guys play. They are understanding that – this 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 bottom fell out this season. The rebuild's underway, but they still want to come down here and they want to see a product that feels worth their investment. It's not and only it's that on though, you ben. to give them that. It's not only that. It's also if if you're an organization, you're also saying, "Can I trust Jordan Cairo? Can I trust Robert Thomas? We have <clears throat> given them the money, and they're right now under contract for a long time." Colton Pareko, same thing. Jordan Bennington, same thing. So we have some cornerstone players that we believe in and have given that money to. But if I'm watching these guys throw it in the towel, and, and I'm not saying that any of these guys did, I don't know. I'm not in that room. I don't know what their evaluation was of their performance last night. I can only go based on what I watched <laughs> and uh, what I heard. Great. <laughs> but I, I, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. And the organization has to say, if, if they're not putting out the effort now, I, I got to think twice about if, if this is somebody I want to go forward with. That's just the way it is. And yeah. and that so it's not only just about the effort for fans, but what's the effort for our organization moving forward? Because if these aren't guys I can trust now, I can't trust them down the road. Leadership roles are open. That's right. And having a contract doesn't necessarily make you a leader. And I, I, when I say that the rest of this season is about figuring out what Armstrong's going to do off the ice and also figuring out where to value your players on the ice that you have that are a part of this, you move, you move Torpchenko up after last night and you, you, you underline that game for, for Kairou and for Thomas and you say, how are you going to respond? Now, I'll also say this. It's a difficult thing for players when you're trying to play well, trying to win games, and your best players are getting traded away. And I get that. But you've got to put that on the back burner. And 
and go out and play like a pro. And that can't be effort and investment can't be here one day, gone the next at that level. And I think that's that's at the core of what Bruby was talking about is it's not that they lost. He knows they're going to lose a lot of these games. It's that just show me they, they were checked out. Yeah. And and then you got a young guy who's playing his tail off. And if that doesn't inspire you, then something's wrong. I if I'm Craig Barubi, I'm rolling that guy out, that kid out for twenty five minutes next game. I am. I'm gonna say, and there's twofold to this. Number one is he was my one of my better players the other night, and he's been putting and busting his ass this this last month. But number two, um, I'm rewarding that kid too, and I'm saying if you play hard under as long as I'm head coach, you're gonna get you're gonna, we're gonna find time for you. So if you don't want to play hard, you don't want to be this kid that Torchinko is, then no problem. Here's the great equalizer: it's the bench. And I don't care how much money you make. When you talk to professional athletes, there is pride in everything that they do. I don't care if a guy's making thirty million dollars; he does not want to be embarrassed. They don't. They they've got pride. Now, some people could say, "Yeah, but that you know, it becomes a little bit easier on the first and the fifteenth of the month when they get their checks." I agree with you, but still, ultimately, they got there because they're great athletes. They're elite. They're the best in the world. But there's pride, and if you take that away from those guys, they're going to get pissed off. Believe me. And I think, too, and this is a good, maybe a good segue to talk soccer because I talked with, at a long interview with Lutz Fanensteel about the launch of City SC, and I talked to him about how he envisioned this team wanting to play. And he said, when you come to start a team like this that's never played before, blank sheet of paper, I, he said, I put a lot of time in talking with the owners and talking with people around St. Louis in, in studying what should a St. Louis team play like and what Effort, what, blue he, collar. what he discovered is not shocking to people around here how do the cardinals play they make it hard on you you feel this pressure they make the easy plays they do the right things and they feel like at their best that they are that they are weighing down on you every game they're not afraid to to pitch you inside they're not afraid to 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 get in your face a little bit when they're at their best and they you feel this pressure the blues when, when are they at their best when they're grinding wave after wave after wave they won a Stanley Cup not because they were the most talented star laden team they were a team that had depth and they were a team that played with this style that Bruby instilled in them now they're losing that and I think that's what he's trying to sound the alarm about can they got they that can't the effort the style has to be there whether the talent needs to be replenished and it will be but that's what Lutz talked about is you know you go play the blues and you know you might get your shoulder dislocated yeah <laughs> he goes you go play the cardinals and you and you know it's going to be uncomfortable he said i wanted to build a team that that had that kind of image and what that's what they're going to try to do now i'm not saying it's going to work immediately year 1 they're getting picked at the bottom of everything they're using that clearly as motivation but when they built this team they looked at okay we want to play this style this high pressing style turn you know this defense into offense be relentless maybe not always be the prettiest team but maybe be the hopefully be the hardest working team go get players who will fit that mold and buy into it let's not go out and weigh down the team with a mega star who's making so much more money than everybody else. He feels like he can just roll in, put it on the uniform, and go go end his career because he's already made made his name elsewhere. They stayed away from that, and they really focused on the culture. Now, it's easy, it's great to say, 
And if you go out and lose to Austin 12 to zero and you don't win a game your first season, then people are like, eh, maybe that's not the right way to go. But they feel like they've built a team that can be competitive and also have a, have a, grit to it that will identify with this place and the blues have that and that's what i think craig saw is he saw that wasn't there and he's gonna he's not gonna tolerate it and if it means that they end up saying oh my god there's a rift with the players and he's got to go i think he would rather get canned than than go out like that yep and and i think (laughs) i think that that fact that he feels that way is why you don't do it. You say, no, get him guys he can coach because we know that works. And I think that's what the soccer wants to have. a. They want to have a, an identity that St. Louis fans say, I can see where this is going. And that's what I want to. That's what I want to support. By the way, um, soccer fans are going to support it if they go O for the year anyway. They're I they're know. crazy. I, I love know. it in a great way. And <laughs> but they're not. That's not their plan. But I I think I'm fascinated more than anything of just seeing it all come to fruition and seeing them on the pitch, and seeing it you know see them play. I'm excited about. I'm fascinated though with the television ratings and what they're going to get out of St. Louis. I, I would imagine once people are on board and have an idea of how the season works and how here's the schedule, and I'm talking about the the casual fan, not the diehard soccer fan. They know, um, but the bars and the restaurants that are soccer bars and restaurants will be packed. People will be going nuts. The first home game will be insane. Um, but I think this weekend is so cool. I I just I can always speak from my personal experience. Like my son, who is 14 years old, loves soccer, plays it at a high level. Uh, when they played that first game that was on television, not I don't think it was the, the, the German League team. I think they played another one that was on TV prior to that, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. It Maybe. was probably the uh, MLS Next it might have been, but Western they were on. Com- the- they won the Western Conference uh, final, and it was. I think it, if it wasn't televised, it was streamed. My kid was in his kit <laughs> and jumping up and down on his bed, literally, because yeah. he was so excited about watching it. And I, I just think that's going to be for a lot of fans. It's it's not everybody's cup of tea because a lot of fans are just baseball and hockey and the the major four professional sports. Um, but I do think that once people get a sense of who these people are, and you find out more of the personalities of the players, which is always a way to sell um, a team because you want to cheer for your favorite guy. And young players and young fans, young kids are playing so much soccer. It's it's exactly why I got behind this. It, it People are going to explode and gravitate towards this in terms of a positive manner, and I, I think it's going to be fun. I, I just I can't wait for it. I'm And I'm not even the biggest soccer fan. I'm, I've always said that. I, I'm a fan of it but i'm not like die hard i don't wear my scarf everywhere around town and i say yeah you know i watch a little bit of the world cup i know who messi is and okay cool but (laughs) this is this is really cool man it's it's finally here and it's it's going to be something that i think people really gravitate and get around and enjoy I, i i think it's gonna be great yeah my soccer experience before this was uh i was in like fourth grade and i was fat so my, my, I think my parents were like, go to football. This kid needs to go run. You know, make make him make him join soccer. And I probably wanted to. I'm I'm not gonna throw my parents under the bus. But they looked took one look at me like, you're the goalie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was back before you know the goalies had to have any skill. It was literally right. just stand around and wait to eat your orange slices. So I will not pretend to be you know a soccer a soccer maven whatsoever. But I've I have been intrigued by watching the process that has led to this team. 
obviously you were involved in that process. The the speech to the board of aldermen when it was it was clear that there there was no time to to get in the way of this of this progress and to see it happen is really cool. I mean, it's cool to be a part not a part of it. I'm not involved in it, but to watch a team be well, you had a to, big part of it, writing team, about it, and making sure it was staying front page and center. Right? That was good. But to watch a team be like bloom is cool. I mean, you think about it as and who all of the all of the data. Ben, let me just tell you hold real quick. Second. No, no, hold on. You're going to have to hold on. It's my podcast. <laughs> so I can remember going down to where the St. Louisans do their, like one of the, the, the bars uh, at like nine or 10 in the morning with Carolyn Kendall Betts and Jim Cavanaugh. And we were taking this interview to let it go viral and had a couple of the Luligans behind us. And uh, and then took the interview and chopped it up into sound bites and put it out on social media. Now think about how that that's not that long ago. So my point is, think about that was the infancy of trying to get fan interest and in the votes to make sure that this could happen in front of the board of aldermen and take it to the 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 people and have them say, "Hey, we got something cool going on." So my point is, that's how bare bones this thing was. And now we have this, and it is a gorgeous stadium. It's awesome. It's state-of-the-art, and they're going to play their first game. That's about in a five-year period. Think about that. That's unbelievable because they needed people to get behind him, uh, behind them and say, this is what we're trying to do. We think you're going to like it. But to go from that at that place at 10 a.m. and have an interview with those two to try to get support right. to now having this, Holy smokes! That's what I mean. How bare bones it was. I mean, you think. Sorry it, to interrupt. No, it's you think about the disappointment um, when the, the the penultimate approach to get the team failed at the ballot box, and it was just this. It was that letdown, and all of a sudden it was like, could there be a possibility of a partnership? And all of a sudden it was like, can you trust it? Is it going to get snuffed out? Yeah. What's going to go wrong? Was the and then, How can you and then, not and, trust the Taylor family? My God, with what they've done here, that was the thing that I no, I don't I, know, I, I trust I know them you, to do it. I I, tr- I didn't trust other people not to screw it up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I'm just making sure, you know. I mean, but it was Jesus, like Jesus. How could you not get behind these people? It was kind of like this. You see this light off in the distance, and and then it starts to get closer. Like, oh, maybe this can actually happen. And to see, it's it's the first. It's it will probably be. I'm guessing that the first and. Last time, and maybe we'll get an NBA team one day. We'll see. But we see a team be born in front of our eyes. I think in my lifetime it will be. Yeah. I'm 48, and I was talking to some people yesterday. I don't see the NFL ever coming back here. Uh, you never I say don't. never. You never say but never. I've I don't learned think, that more than ever. I think that's but, probably a mutual thing. I mean, I know there are people who want it. Oh, but, for sure. But in terms of the city and the league, I think people don't understand. The league is not happy with how that lawsuit went down yeah. and that they had to pay all that money and people can can scoff the NFL has all the money in the world it was that was a, a thorn in the, in the side yeah for sure and it caused some it caused some real bad relationships and that's St. Louis is great that's right. that was kind of the point of the whole thing but I, I do think there's a there's a real animosity there but Cardinals don't go anywhere Blues don't go anywhere no. MLS will not go anywhere so Jason Tatum will bring an NBA team I would love day. to see that Jason Tatum Bradley Beal will Do launch it. a St. Louis NBA team. That's my How cool would that be? I, that's I'm going to will it into existence. But 
cool to see this thing be born from this idea. And that's that's been the way I've covered it. It's not to me about, okay, is this high pressing style going to work against Austin? Like, I'm not going to be a phony. Like, yeah. I will learn this as we go. And if you're looking for like the most in-depth soccer X's and O's, like I'm not your guy and I'm okay admitting that. To me, it's about the people. It's about the story of this, the birth of this team. I think it's been it's been really cool to watch, to cover. But I also, every data you see says that kids are watching this or supporting it. They want more of it. You see this in 25 years. Where will this this team's not going anywhere. Where will the passion for soccer be in America? That we, we, I've been stunned. I knew it was a soccer region. I knew it was a soccer city. I've been really wowed by the amount of support, interest. The everything has Corporate gone support bonkers. Has been good. Yeah. So it. I, I want to see I a name on that stadium, limit. though. I got to get a name on that stadium. I need somebody step up and put a name on it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a big one. Yeah. That is, then you know, the corporate support and clearly the fan support is ridiculous. I mean, the waiting list for season tickets is 30,000 people. They announced their road uniforms and they had a line out of the team store of people who wanted to buy it. It's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's it's bonkers. I just want to see a name, though, on that stadium. What? That's important. I know that's big corporate support. What is like the, can we set an expectation for this first team? It's like very, it's incredibly rare to make the, the playoffs as an expansion team. Maybe that's asking too much, although they did just expand the MLS postseason, yep. and now, now you know, you've, you've got more teams getting in. How about 500? I think a winning record. Oh, if you had a winning record as an that's expansion team? That's a huge team, success. I'm in. Yeah. I think competitive is, is goal one. By the and then, way. And then winning record would be a, a huge success. How amazing, and it hasn't gotten enough play, and shame on you. Shame on you. What did I miss? Uh, there was a kid here. Rip me for the Battle Hawks. No, there was a kid here locally that just got signed by City. Um, there've been two. Yeah, there's two, but there was another one this this past week. No, he's and, a, he was the second. Oh, he was okay. Yeah, to the to the pro contract. I don't think that gets enough. You press. Lutz found him in Boonville. So think about if you <laughs> he's were with Caden Glover, the kid from 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 Illinois, just on the other side. Um, they now got two guys. How cool is that? It's that incredible. St. Louis kid is going to be teeing it up, man. I mean, that's awesome. It's what they said they hope to do, and I, I love this analogy. Like I was talking to Lutz about this. They said they come, they come in, they got the extra year because of the pandemic, and they had this. You know, so many expansion teams are built. I think of it like, uh, okay, think of how you put together a Christmas tree, like an artificial Christmas tree. I'm Team Real Tree. We did have to go artificial last year, so I had to put the thing <laughs> together. We were traveling too much. It was, but you start at the base, you build it up to the top, you decorate the tree and put your star on. That's how you do it. Yeah, for structural reasons, it makes more sense. You can't start. So many expansion teams are built star down because they have to throw yeah. the team together. You've got guys who have never met. All of a sudden, hey, you're on well, this team, go play. And the other thing is, you got to get a star to maybe get people in, invested in you, right? To bring you to the park. And well, then you you're don't have trying to, worry about to that here. you don't have an academy, you don't have a practice facility, right. you don't have a stadium. Maybe the stadium's getting welded. You know, the finishing weldings are going on as the team exactly. starts. You've got this overpaid guy that people will, oh go watch him play. You go watch the team play. They suck. He scores one goal, and you're like, okay, saw it. Yep, been there, done it. They did it. the opposite. Yep. We're going to build a world-class stadium. We're going to attach the training facility. We're going to plan the stadium down to the point where the youngest guys are furthest away from the first-team locker room. 
but as they progress through the academy, every year they get closer and closer to the the big room. They see it. They literally see it. It's kind of what the Cardinals do in, see in, themselves. in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. With that. There's thought to everything they did, and also they launch these academy teams. They go out and scout these youth. Lutz watches. Lutz spent that whole first time driving all over the place watching high school games, and they they say, okay, this guy is not on the biggest you know academy team, the biggest youth team, but he we see something that could fit with what we're trying to do. Now they've got two of those guys that are that have signed pro contracts. Now they're not going to go out and be the first guys playing, but they're going to be developing, and they've got. You know, they've marked them as guys who are eventually, sooner rather than later, going to be a big part of this team. So there's a great blend of guys that Lutz knew and, and scouted from overseas and guys that they've developed and, and, and found here. They've got some a little MLS experience. So it's a really dynamic group. And I think you've got to look at what happened in Austin. They, they, they debuted, they took their licks, but they were competitive, great fan experience, great environment. Next year they're competing for the top of the league. So I, I think that some people maybe projecting this team from the outside, maybe don't understand some of the advantages of the way that this thing was put together. And if they're underestimating that and the benefit it could have, then the city will say, great. Thanks. <laughs> Can you imagine having four or five, six kids that are on that team from St. Louis or the I Metro area? I, I do too. I, I think there's going to be, because certainly if there's a tie, the tie is going to go to the local kid and, the, the the product, I, I talked to Taylor Twelman the other day, and we were talking about how we both don't like this, where if you're a very good high school player, you're playing for your academy team. You might be playing for City. You may be playing for Lou Fuse. Maybe you're playing for Gallagher. You don't represent your high school because I hate that. I, I don't like it at all. I think it's a mistake that we make here locally, and we're one of the only places in our understanding that does that across the country because there's something about – Playing in front of mom and dad, certainly, but uh, your, your friends and wearing your school colors and the crowds and all that kind of stuff. So my point is, is that the, the talent here is so good that we're going to have some of these kids that graduate from City and the academy teams going on to play for City and representing the City. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. amazing. And the fact is that as many traveling teams as there are, there are guys who fall through the cracks. Absolutely. And they're going to go look for those guys in addition to saying – we want the best, but we also maybe want some guys that that people didn't realize could could that's be right. the best. That's and right. I think that that that's a really cool, and that's been a goal from of theirs from day one. So there are multiple kind of goals for success for this team, and and I think it's legitimate. But ultimately, you know, and they they know this. It's about can you can you move the needle at the highest level and. I think they like the fact that everybody's expecting them to be a total pushover. Yeah, and I don't. They might not win every game. They won't. Um, but I don't. I think you're going to see a team that's maybe more competitive than some of the some of the experts are giving them giving them uh, giving them the assigned role of just a complete easy win all season. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. SLU has got Loyola this weekend, um, but the bigger question for you, I'm going to put you on the spot, Travis Ford. Um, does he have to win the postseason tournament, get into the NCAA tournament to to be the coach next year? A lot of expectations going into the season. I think it's been a disappointment. Um, I thought they were going to be a lot better than they've been, and the record has not indicated that. And what concerns me is some of the games have not been competitive, and that that's concerning. Um, so what do you think? Where do you stand right now? 
It sounds very results oriented to say if if they don't win the A ten tournament and make an appearance in the NCAA tournament, then then I would make a change. But that's still how I feel, and I like Travis. Um, I think he's he's really done a good job in recruiting some some good players. When they're good, they can be good. But the swings of inconsistency, it's year seven now, Dan. Exactly. And this was supposed to be a year where where this was supposed to be a signature season for this team and this program. The A-10 was right there for the taking. The league is not good this year. Nope. In fact, it's hurt the Billikens because there's only going to be one team from this league that makes the NCAA tournament, and it's going to be whoever wins the conference tournament. The league should have scheduled better, and then SLU would have more wiggle room. But they had a non-conference schedule that if they took care of business, and if they took care of business in A-10 play, they should be. They should have been an at-large team this season. And not only did they blow that opportunity, they have continued to have these in, in, inexplicable games where certain games they don't show up. They don't have an identity. Part of it is the, that Javante Perkins has not been himself all season since returning from the knee injury, but it's bigger than that. This team is too old, too experienced, too many returners to be as as inconsistent as it is. And there have been multiple times this season where it's clear that Travis hasn't been able to reach these guys. They're going to lose a lot of talent next year. If, if you're going to, if you're not, if you can't get through the ceiling in year seven, then I don't know what else you have to wait around and say, can it be better now? He had the COVID situation that hurt him. And I'll I'll say that's a checkbox or check mark in the box of, you know, the things that you look at as to why you keep him, because if the COVID years don't happen, they probably make a tournament or two, I think. Perhaps. But also this, you can't debate this. The floor with Travis is high. Yeah. We're talking about why isn't the ceiling higher, but the floor is high. And that's, if you're Chris May, that's what you wrestle with. Okay, are you going to make a change from a guy who's proven he can get St. Louis area talent to this school? You've got this new champion center coming up. It's going to be easier to recruit. You've got NIL action well, going. NIL is at the bottom Salute. line. You've got it going. I mean, they've got the collective going. They're starting to make strides there. They started from behind. So can do you bank on a guy that can get you 20 wins a year? I don't care what center you put up. You better have NIL, NIL yeah. money. Oh, I know. That's period. You name it the NIL center. Exactly. No offense to the O'Loughlin family exactly. whatsoever. It's awesome what they're doing, but kids want to get paid. But, period. Are you better off holding and waiting on a guy who can figure out a way to get you twenty-ish wins a year, and 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 be a bubblish team? And know that that's your kind of where you're at, or do, does he feel confident? Does Slew feel confident that they can upgrade, that they can break through that ceiling with the right hire? Because I don't, I'll say this: I don't think with what Slew envisions for its basketball program, I'm not convinced almost seven years in that Travis is going to take them there and they've got to do some soul searching on, can they do better? And that's, that's the answer. If they go out and win the A-10 tournament and get into the NCAA tournament, maybe it's, Hey, Javante wasn't right. This is this, this, the way this team finished showed why, why we can continue to bank on this guy. But I think that's kind of a pass fail test. And, and Dan, we've got no reason as of right now to think that they're going to be capable of going and winning that A-10 tournament. They, we haven't seen that from them yet. 
All right, let's go to Mizzou. We're having a long podcast here. I'm enjoying this. We're in the, the uh, hour and a half mark yet? Well, you want to stop? No, you mentioned Mizzou. I got Mizzou takes. All right, I, I got two I other things. I love thi- our, our Friday chats. I do too. I got a couple other things I want to get into. So Mizzou, big win this past week was Miss, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, a team they lost to on the road. They got so, the one at home. What are they, Another tw- buzzer beater. 20 wins, right? Yeah. Um. Here's here's They're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, my concern is that if they have not cracked the top 25, which they have not, is that maybe, and again, it's a, it's a committee looking at them for at large, if they don't win the SEC tournament, as opposed to writers in various ways to get in the top 25, correct me if I'm wrong on all this stuff, but if they're not top 20, if they haven't been top 25 yet, my point is I don't see them getting a decent seed. I, I look at them as being like an eight or a nine but I could really see them dropping. If this is what the national narrative is on them, I could see them dropping to a 10 or an 11. Do you, do you see that too? I think they're... And I they're, don't think they are. I think they're, they're better solid, than that. They're in that 8, 9 range now. I think it could go up. If they blow it in their final three regular season games... Exactly. Well, then all bets are off. Against three teams they should be. right now. I think they're an 8 right now. Yeah, if I the tournament too. rolls out today... But I don't think they're going to get that because I don't think the national but, narrative but is the, that. But is, the is rankings, to put the, them the AP stuff, it doesn't matter at I all. I know. I'm just telling you. I'm when saying, you get in those rooms, man, things happen. Oh, I know. But the net is what they, they – the net's their baby. I'm not saying the net's perfect, but the net is their baby now. I agree. And, so why and, wouldn't you be top 25 now? Well, because every time they should be ranked and you can really make a case, they go out and lose the next Well, time. that's true. So that's – That's true. And, and I think they're probably one of the, one of the top 25 teams – in the country, but that you know, the voters are some of those guys actually pay attention. Some of them just send it in, and, and I myself, having been a voter for a period of time in the past, some guys care about it. Some guys. Did you put time into it? Did you care? There were definitely. I, I voted for football. This was years ago. There, yeah, you studied it because you don't want to be looked at as someone who's an idiot. But I'll be honest, there were also times where it's like you get a text as you're boarding a plane from a game you covered on Saturday, and it's like. Where's your ballot? And you're like, oh no. Yeah, and you're just <laughs> so, so. To be very candid, there are times when you yeah. when you're not exactly doing the the deepest uh, the deepest of dives. Um, so take that take that stuff with a grain of salt. The win against Mississippi State, the Bulldogs were ranked ahead of them in the net, so that was really a, a, a kind of a tournament securing type of win. And I don't think they will go out and you know fumble their way into the SEC tournament if they play well. In the SEC tournament, they can improve that. Right now, I don't. I don't see them falling below like a ten seed, even if uh, even if they they face some turbulence. They've bought themselves some 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 goodwill with the selection committee by winning that big game at home against Mississippi State. I, now, the 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 one thing that could hurt them, the SEC might say like, "My God, we can't put this many SEC teams in." But if they trust the metrics, the metrics show that the league's got a lot of tournament teams. How about? Dennis Gates. I, I mean, I just didn't see it. I didn't know enough about him. But this guy has done one heck of a job, man, to the point that you'd have to look at him being coach of the year in the SEC. Yeah, I don't think you can give it to Nate Oates now um, after all of the stuff that's been Boy, happening with his team. where do you stand on that? Team. I mean, what happened, what happened with the player who's no longer on the team is one thing. The fact that there's been a guy playing who was connected to this in some way, shape, or form um, – you know, does that does, does Brandon Miller deserve to be caught up in this legal process? I don't know. Should he be playing basketball every night for Alabama? P- probably not until this thing is sorted out. So, 
I think the conversation goes for, for the coach of the year goes from Nate Oates being like a guy who coached his team through adversity to a guy who was hiding things about players on his team, and that's a different yeah. kind of conversation. Buzz Williams has a good case to be SEC coach of the year. I would I think Gates deserves a hard look in that conversation because they were picked to finish 11th in the league, and, and here they are, and no one was expecting this to happen this fast. Even if you were excited about his hire, this first team was not supposed to be – doing this. Um, so that's really, really impressive. What I think about is, okay, what's going to happen after this season? Yeah. Because the coaching carousel is going to turn. So you think he'd leave, huh? I don't think he would. I don't know what he would do. How, how do you know? I, I don't think. I do. I, I think, you put zeros around his contract. Yeah, I think Mizzou that's right now, <laughs> I think Mizzou right now needs to be rattling the money tree and getting, you don't have to, the worst thing you can do and what you don't do is rush to a guy and be like, panic extension. Exactly. Don't leave us. But you get the you get ready. Yeah. If someone comes calling for him, you get ready to say, "Here's let's let's end this conversation now." Do yep. you want to be here? Okay, let's make it. Let's show you a, a reward for on top of your contract and the fact they believed in him to hire him from Cleveland State. Let's let's bump this up a little bit. You know, coaches' salaries are going up always in the SEC, and you know, let's show a reflection of how well you did this year, and and let's get there. But you get ready, and then as soon as the threat emerges, you act. And that's, I think, what you have to do. I don't think he would leave as long as Mizzou, as long as Mizzou, you know, uses its head. I think he's got a great relationship with the AD. She believes in him. Um, she she hired him and was she had been tracking him for years. So I think he thinks he can get to wherever he wants to go right now from Mizzou. But you got to keep giving him reasons to believe that. Florida State would be interesting because Leonard Hamilton, we don't yep. nobody knows when he's going to retire. But sometimes replacing your your mentor is not always the best thing. No, and I, I think surely he's seen by the fan base reaction at Mizzou that they can they can help him get to where he wants to go. He says he wants to be a championship coach, Dan. He says he wants to be a Hall of Fame coach. Those things are going to take probably years to try to get there. But right now, does he have reasons to think he cannot do that at Mizzou? I think Mizzou has probably given him more reasons to think he can. Finally, Battlehawks. I guess I'm into it a little bit. Like I said, I'll take my kids to a game, if not more. They're 2-0. They won last night. Um, I'm falling in love with A.J. McCarron. Yeah, I can tell you. You're you're a big fan. Are are you into this at all? I know you're a big football guy, but... I I don't... Look, it can be we can we we can be allowed to have fun, and that's what it is to me. It's it's something fun, yeah, and we I don't guess. have to we don't have to worry every time the game is played if it's gonna be around in five years, and we don't have to fret that it's gonna draw attention away from other things. It's it's a it's a developmental league now for the NFL. And if it brings people joy and they like turning it on, they're doing a good job on the TV production of it, then then yeah, have fun with it. These guys are making these guys are not making NFL money, man. They're out there playing because they love football and they want to try to play it at the next level. And if they want to wear St. Louis and go play hard and, and, and give entertainment, then I say, Why the hell not? Yeah, I'm with you too. Just enjoy it. Have fun with it. Just enjoy it. That's the way to do it. I do know like there are some cool stories on it, like Ricky Prohl's son being yeah, the go-to great. receiver. McCarron's a great He's story. Coaching. McCarron's a great story. The running back is 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 from the area. Had a great career at uh, out at Wyoming. Um, so there's some there's some cool stories. And if 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 this can help some of those guys, you know, extend their playing careers or maybe make it to the league, that's cool. 
I think I think the first the first home game they have to play three on the road, which is stupid. I mean, the XFL. My side rant is like why the XFL didn't give. They still are underestimating the what they could do here. Yeah, they could have. They should have had this team open here. They should have played. They should have scheduled the championship. Well, game now it's going to be huge. It's going to go. That that stadium is going to go nuts. And people, I don't know if they're going to open up the upper deck. They probably should. Yeah. Um, because especially if they win the, <laughs> if they win the next game, it's just going to be, it's just going to be bonkers. And and does it make a lot of sense? No. But is it? Can it be fun? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it's really done a good. They've kind of good, done a good job of leaning into that quirky niche. Our visits brought to you by the Ascension Charity Classic, again coming up this September at Norwood Hills Country Club and also Lordo's Diamonds, your family's jeweler for life, located in Clayton. Tell them that uh, I sent you. Go find Jimmy Lordo. He'll help you personally for any of those special occasions in your life. May have been our longest Ben Fred Friday. Marathon session, man. A lot to get off our chest. Yeah, we'll get back at it next week. Baseball next week. We'll get into a bunch okay, of baseball next good. week. Yeah, because I'll be down at uh, spring training by then. Looking forward to that. Thanks, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Talk to you.